You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. Michael J. Fox talk? Sure, we'll do that. And we'll also... Since I haven't seen it so long, the rest of the platoon is John C. Riley, John Leguizamo, and Ving Rhames. Wow, okay. All before they blew up and got big. Literally never heard of this movie. So... It's great. Wow. Um, we will not on Rotten Tomatoes. Not be talking about this movie anymore, probably for the rest of this podcast. But we will be talking a lot of soccer because there's been a lot of soccer in the past week. There has been a Barclays Premier League weekend. There has been a a shocking amount of news and notes, including a couple stories that are just more for the funnies than anything else. Of course, last two days we've had Champions League action. Tomorrow we will have. Europa League action. Who cares? Just the that's just the appetizer to the main course. Oh, mwah. This is this is the sorbet that will cleanse everyone's palates. Um, we'll of course hit one of three uh, other big stories of the week. Wes, did you have a chance to read these? Yes. Uh, I'm trying to. My phone's kind of being a biatch. I mean, if if AT and T would like to send me a new one, that would be awesome. But uh, I have pulled up, I have pulled up your email. Oh, thank you for doing that. So, if you want to get in on the conversation with us, you can email us. That's one way you can do it. Allnewsportshow at gmail More conventional ways. At this point in the year 2015, you can uh, Twitter us at AFAPod or at West Bradshaw 21 and at Edward Green. You can get us on Facebook via our sister show. All New Sports Show. Same on Instagram. YouTube is The All New Sports Show. And of course, this podcast, as always, is presented by NGSC Sports. We're at NGSCSports.com. We never stop. Uh, and Wes, we're certainly not going to stop. Um, do you want to start with the Champions League matches we just had? Or do you want to go back to this weekend's Premier League action? I mean, I can't start with Rick Patino having stripper sex parties at Louisville. That's one of the big stories we can possibly discuss, but no. Because you you know I'm waiting for that one. I feel like you, I feel like me, okay, that might be the one we do. That's I am just just dirty enough to thoroughly enjoy that. And it's got Montrezl Harrell. Yeah. Tarver product. Yeah, he he might have. Oof, that's, we love, we love our local ties on this podcast. Um, So, so. To what we're talking about, Ed, you know me. I like to go in the chronological order of things. Yes. So let, let's start with the prim, and let's start with the uh, 
greatest nil-nil draw in the history of football. Easily the greatest nil-nil draw in the history of the Barclays Premier League. Uh, as it was the all-new sports show, the A Foreign Affair Podcast Derby, Tottenham-Liverpool, White Hart Lane, Jurgen Klopp's first match in charge. Oh, Spurs unbeaten in seven, hadn't lost since the first week against Manchester United. It was amazing. It was going to be dramatic, high intensity. No, no. It was intense, though. I'm not going to lie. It, ooh, it was pretty intense for some periods. Uh, but Tottenham did survive. Became first team to outrun Tottenham this year. Oh, well, there you go. Um, Tottenham do survive uh, Divock Origi's immediate miss. Oh, he's, he's looking a little bit more like Palatelli by the second. Uh, Liverpool did also survive multiple chances from Spurs as Jurgen Klopp takes his first point back to the cop. Nasser Chadley is out six weeks with limit, ligament damage after this match. Clint Njai, the greatest living president, uh, did come on for Spurs in the first 15. He will be getting much more playing time in the future. Otherwise, it was missed chances for both sides. Tottenham nil, Liverpool nil. Uh, at the bridge, Chelsea got back to winning ways. Um, both teams, Aston Villa and Chelsea, had decent chances early, but a mistake from Brad Guzan, oh, pray for Brad Guzan, on a clearance allowed Willian to steal the pass and feed Diego Costa back from suspension for his first goal in the first half. A deflection off a Villa pair, player left Guzan flat-footed, and it gave Costa his second as it ended Chelsea 2 Aston Villa nil. Uh, the Foxes have done it again after the Saints of Southampton scored in the first half on a header off set pieces by newly re-signed Joseph Fonte and a Virgil van Dijk putback. Uh, Jamie Vardy brought Leicester all the way back in the second half. His first goal on a cross in the 65th by Dyer and the equalizer in stoppage time sprinting ahead of the defense on a through ball from Rudy Marez. Another steely draw for Leicester. Some way this is going to catch up to them eventually. Hasn't happened yet, as it's Southampton 2, Leicester 2. Uh, the Cherries, up the Cherries, we hope up the Cherries. They may be going back down. Uh, they miss a huge early penalty before Raheem Sterling. Remember him? He wants to be back in Liverpool now, apparently, according to his agent. Oh, what, a, what a great agent. Uh, he put in the ball, though, from Pablo Zabaleta. And Wilfred Bone remembered where the goal was and made it to nil citizens. Glenn Murray, he's been on a bit of a scoring streak since taking over for Callum Wilson on that team. He got one back before Sterling had a great individual effort to score one, and he finished his hat trick before halftime. Boney scored his second minutes from time as it was Man City 5, AFC Bournemouth 1. It was a somewhat empty Hawthorns stadium, and they saw a somewhat indifferent affair between the West Brom and Sunderland. Costel Pantelemon might have sort of been fouled by Saito Berahino. Saito Berahino also might have kind of handled the ball with his, well, arm and hand, but no matter, he still scored, and he puts uh, West Brom up uh, and gives them their first win at home on the season. It was West Brom 1, Sunderland 0. Uh, Arsenal, eh, they take advantage of a Watford penalty shot by former Spurs great, question mark, Etienne Capu in the second half to pick up their first goal in the 62nd minute. On a give-and-go from Cazorla to Sanchez, Olivier Giroud came off the bench to score just outside the six-yard box. Five minutes later, and it's okay if it's with Aaron Ramsey. Caps it off with a dinky little goal in the 74th minute. 
Watford will rue their early chances they did not take at Vicarage Road as they fall 3-0 to Arsenal. Uh, sad news, of course, from Everton. Howard Kendall, the, the great Evertonian, uh, did pass away this week. Unfortunately, Manchester United were not there to pay their respects. Morgan Schneiderlin gets on the board uh, for his first in a United kit. He scored in the 19th, uh, and then Marcus Rojo hit Ander Herrera on the break just minutes later to put United up 2-0. Rooney gets his first Premier League goal of the season and put the game away in the 61st minute. But Howard saved Everton one more time as Rooney was way clear on goal, but it wasn't enough. He missed. Howard saved. And it ended up being Everton nil, Manchester United three. Uh, at Upton Park, West Ham, or sorry, no, this was at Selhurst Park. West Ham struck twice late to win after Kyle Jenkinson gave them the early lead. Minutes later, he though would foul Dwight Gale of Crystal Palace in the box, and Johan Kabai scored twice. The first one was disallowed. Uh, however, Gale did have two yellows in the first half and forced the Eagles to play the entire second half. With 10 men, the Hammers got the winner on a header from Andy Carroll to Emmanuel Lanzini. Dimitri Payet chipped in one in the final 30 minutes. And that makes four road wins on the seasons for the Hammers. It's Crystal Palace 1, West Ham 3. On Sunday, Newcastle got their first win in amazing fashion. It was 1-1 20 minutes in, but Victor Wijnaldum scored his second to give the Geordies a lead. They wouldn't surrender. They led 3-2 in the half. And Wijnaldum had a golden sombrero, four goals in the match, as Newcastle beat Norwich City 6-2. Finally on Monday, Stoke got a penalty as Ashley Williams of Swansea clumsily fouled Boyan in the box. And Boyan, as the, the person on TV decided to pronounce it, wanted for sexy, sexy Stoke from the spot. Swansea and a bit of a sl slide as John Joe Shelby came closest after hitting the outer post. Swansea winless in five. As it's Swansea nil, Stoke one. Wes, let's head to White Hart Lane. Let's talk about the Foreign Affair Podcast Derby. As it was Tottenham nil, Liverpool nil. Jurgen Klopp injecting Das Mannschaft running fast offense he has into the team. It was good for about 20 minutes. Kind of faded for the rest of the match. Uh, Tottenham Really broke Liverpool after that 20 minutes. Came up with a few good chances. Neither team took the opportunities they had, though. Your thoughts on Klopp's first match for Liverpool? Um, the first 20 minutes, as you said, extremely promising. That's what we as Liverpool fans are hoping to see more of in the future. Um, when, you, when you really sit back and look at this game... Um, it's not by any means really an accurate forecast of what is going to happen for Liverpool. Uh, when you look at the lineup, he was missing a ton of guys who are going to play massive, massive minutes for that team this year and maybe for the next few years to come. I mean, just real quick, uh, Henderson, yep. Firmino, Sturridge, uh, Benteke, all out due to injury. Um, so, you know, this was definitely not the final Liverpool product. And also the fact that he had had three days of training. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that kind of brings it back down to earth a little bit. Um, what what I was impressed by with Liverpool was, um, and I mean, this can't really be understated much. For the first time in about a month, they looked like they really, really, really gave a shit about being out there. <laughs> yeah, that helps with the new coach. <laughs> 
I mean, that, that does always help. And, you know, part of it, you've heard all this, all these things, you know, the, the optimist, which I am an optimist, Ed, we talk about that. My nickname is? Uh, West Positive Bradshaw. That's right. I'm, I'm the most positive person you'll meet. Um, but you know, the, the positive folks like me are saying, well, you know, this shows that, you know, Jurgen Klopp knows how to inspire a club, knows how to try to get the best out of them. The, uh, the pessimists are saying, well, it's guys who are just trying to, uh, you know, uh, keep their jobs and impress the new manager. Truly. It's probably a little bit of both. Yeah. But not that that's a problem. You know, sometimes guys just need a fire lit under their ass. And we saw it some this week. Mm-hmm. Um, Liverpool went into Klopp's kind of now famous four-two-three-one, which is not a – I mean, that's not something that of all the millions and millions of uh, formations that Brendan Rodgers seemed to go through, four-two-three-one was never really one of them. Yes. So, you know, you're asking a bunch of guys who were brought in to run different systems to do this. I'd say Liverpool do have players who are, you know, they're they're built to possibly run the system that Klopp wants to run with the pressing and the running. Once again, I mean Henderson. Henderson has been lauded for years as a guy who can run all day, mm-hmm. and now his talent is starting to catch up with his running. Um, I'm really, really, really interested to see Firmino when he comes back, just because that's a guy who Klopp had targeted at Dortmund and wasn't able to get. So, obviously, he already has a plan in place for Firmino. Same with Benteke. And, of course, uh, Sturridge comes in as your most proven scorer as soon as he walks back in. A lot of credit to Spurs, though. You know, Spurs came into this match, Ed. They were almost like the forgotten team who was on a seven-match unbeaten streak. Yes, yes. Um, I mean, it was kind of like, oh, my God, Jurgen Klopp. And Tottenham's going to be there to give them someone to play. So, uh, you know, Tottenham should have definitely come in. I believe they did with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. Mm-hmm. You knew Liverpool was going to jump out to a fast start. Um, and Spurs did a great job to weather it. I, I do take a little uh, – I do take, take you to task about your comparison of saying Divock Origi is becoming the new Mario Balotelli. That was a little tongue-in-cheek. It was a little tongue-in-cheek. Very tongue-in-cheek. Let's put that in perspective real quick. Mario Balotelli was brought in – with a massive reputation of being a world-class player and never lived up to it, no matter how many matches he was given. For Deepak Origi, this was his first start in the Premier League, ever in the Premier League. Uh, he had one other substitution appearance and, I believe, one start in Europa. Mm-hmm. So let, let's not totally demonize Deepak Origi yet. Um, it was one that I believe he probably should have put away. But um, Origi is another player who's really, really going to benefit from uh, working with Jurgen Klopp. Absolutely. It was another player that Klopp actually liked at Dortmund. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting that suddenly he's come to Liverpool and he's getting about a good half a dozen players who, man, he really wanted to sign them when he was at Dortmund. So that means he feels he can work with these guys. Um, and I think Origi has a good chance to come good in the years to come. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I was obviously being very much in jest there, but... Um, Your facetiousness yes. sickens me, Edward. Oh, I apologize so much. Um, no, I thought I did think... I thought Liverpool came out very well um, and really, really found themselves in the game very well. I, I will give a lot of credit to uh, Spurs' back line. Really, I mean, really the... As, as much pressure as Liverpool put on and as much possession as they had, the, that corner... 
was really their best opportunity in that 20 minutes and really one of their only opportunities in the 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can see I can see in future matches that possession and pressure, not just in future matches, but against, and not to prop up Tottenham too much, but against lesser competition, that is going to give teams fits, um, especially teams that do not have the youth, that do not have the speed to match up against this Liverpool side, um, even maybe a team like United. Um, that, that is, is a little older. Um, they do, I mean, obviously they brought in Morgan Schneiderlin, uh, and, um, Marcus Rojo right now, but I mean, a lot, a lot of these guys are a little older, you know, you, you gotta think, you know, how would, how would a guy like Schweinsteiger, you know, react to that kind of speed? And so there's a lot of good things to take away from Liverpool. I also think there's a lot of good things to take away from Tottenham, um, kind of, I, I don't know if it was a punch so much, but taking, taking the early body blows coming out, being a little fortunate that Origi didn't finish, and then really coming into the game themselves um, and really really sort of turning it around. Um, Clint and Jai with an absolutely great shot um, set up by Harry Kane and was just, you know, palmed away by Mignolet, who I believe on either last week's pod or two podcasts ago, you might have mentioned that there was a bit of a potential keeper controversy again. I think, think we can put that talk away for... For another week, right? Well, uh, always remember, to have a keeper controversy, you have to have a good second keeper. That is true. I don't quite believe Liverpool have that. And Adam Bogdan, who's been a very good championship <clears throat> keeper mm-hmm. over the years. But, uh, you know, he, 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 was, he was not brought in. He was not really exactly brought in to compete for the first team job. No, of course not. Um, but Mignolet was great. Uh, Spurs really did very, very well. Um, Erickson had a good free kick attempt. Um, Kane had two really good chances. One, uh, I think was actually quite late, maybe the 84th, 85th minute, uh, that was actually kicked away at the line by, I want to say Sacco. Um, and, and it was just, I, I thought it was overall a good performance. Uh, it was again, sort of like the Everton match a little bit. Uh, we had our chances. We took our chances fairly well and just the keeper was very good that day. For, for Everton, it was Tim Howard. Here, it was um, Simon Mignolet. Uh, I'm like starting to get a little bit worried about... This is something I really wasn't worried about because of how well they were doing was with our depth. And it's not so much the players that are behind. It's just our complete lack of bodies at this point. Um, team news coming out today before we go to Anderlecht. Uh, Ryan Mason is the only guy that had been hurt recently that could possibly be back for our Europa League match. Um, uh, Chadley's going to be out. Sun is still out. Bentaleb is still out. Pritchard is still out. Uh, there's at least one or two more that I'm missing. Um, and now it's maybe Harry Kane has also picked up a knock and won't be playing against Anderlecht. So th- that is something that would worry me if I'm a Spurs fan. Um, and, and there, are, guys keep stepping up. Guys keep stepping in it's next man up almost for Tottenham right now and they're doing a good job of it um they do need to start being able to put away chances though and that's that's I think gonna come but I still like what this team is doing a whole whole lot and I thought that this was a very good draw for them still a little disappointed they couldn't pick up all three points but uh I thought this was especially the first half was a very good half from both teams I think this is this shows two teams that are definitely on the up and up. 
I'd just I'd like to throw something in about Harry Kane real quick. You know, everyone it's just the way it is. Everyone focuses on goals. Mm-hmm. I mean, um when, you know, the guys who sometimes are considered not all the way all the time, because obviously right now Messi and Ronaldo are probably considered the two best players in the world. They score goals for fun. Yeah. Um but you know, a lot of times the guys who are the best players on the pitch, it doesn't show up in the scorebook because they're not the ones scoring the goals. Mm-hmm. but they're the ones doing all the work to get the goal scored. Um, no, he did not. Oh, God, the guy from the Mets who's been hitting all the home runs, he just hit a double off the wall. Thought he got a hold of another one. Wow, good job, Daniel, <laughs> Daniel Murphy. Murphy. Daniel Murphy, that's his name. Um, anyway, real quick, back to it. Um, Harry Kane, while the goals are not exactly going in for Harry Kane, if you look at his entire body of work, he actually looks like this year he's a better all-around player than he was last year. Yeah. He's it, great job of literally everything else other than just putting the ball in the net at the moment. And something uh, a commenter posted on one article was, you know, someone who had seen him in, in his training days and, and playing for the uh, the, the under-20s, um, he, he that was actually more of his role. He wasn't the out-and-out striker growing up. He was actually more of a distributor, a facilitator. And some people are starting to think, well, maybe, you know, if Sun gets back healthy, maybe we put Sun up top and just drop Harry back. Um, you know, if, if, if Sun is, until Sun gets back, maybe we put Clinton up top. Uh, and then somebody was like, well, that means we have to drop one of Chadley Erickson or Townsend. And I'm like, well, two of those guys I have no problem dropping in favor of Harry Kane. Like at all. In, in Townsend and Chadley. One of those is fine. Um, so if you put, I mean, if you put uh, Sun up top and behind him you threw in Erickson, uh, Kane, and Lamella, I mean, that's a front four that is really, really, really good um, and could give just absolute fits to teams. So I'm not, I don't know if that's what Poch is going to end up doing. Um, I don't know if that would be a blow to Kane's confidence. I, I feel like it shouldn't be. But, I mean, because, like you say, he's doing everything. He's setting up teammates. He, he's getting better shots on goal now than we saw him. I mean, it's not his fault, you know, Sako dives in the way of a ball. That's, that's just good defense, you know. At, at some point, it's, it's just going to click. And if it doesn't, he's still doing really great work. It's unfortunate that everybody gets to snark on the internet now about how overrated he is. Maybe... We overrated him a tad. Maybe he's never going to score 30 goals in a season again. But that doesn't mean he's not a good player. And I know this seems like we're making excuses for Kane at this point. I guess nine matches into the Premier League season. We're not. We're just trying to say, calm your tits, everyone. Or as Roger Bennett said in the latest Men in Blazers, um, of course, last year they kept referring to him as Real Madrid's Harry Kane. Today he was referred to as Real Salt Lake Terry Kane. <laughs> no, he's still better than Real Salt Lake. <sighs> Maybe. Uh, but yeah, but uh, overall, real quick on that match, um, positives for Liverpool. Um, for Tottenham, Ed, you guys have finally drawn even with Liverpool in a match. Yes. After uh, as long as we've been doing the only sports show derby, I believe I have. Um, I've won pretty much every one of them. Hmm. Some quite convincingly. Every everyone has gotten closer though. And last season, the three zero in the first match, the three two in the second match, 
as as upset as you were in last season, I sent you a text. I said, uh, I said, well, I said, obviously that means you're drawing the next one. And that's exactly what happened. The, the nil-nil draw. And that means we're back at square one with Liverpool and Tottenham. Uh, it's it's anybody's rivalry. Oh, it's oh, it's all up for grabs at this point. This is going to be a rivalry to watch in uh, the years to come. Here, thanks to James Milner. Yay! Maybe you shouldn't have been out there the entire game. Um, oh, James Milner. Um, other matches, though, we can quickly talk about. Uh, Wes, what do we make of Leicester? Um, this is a team that has kind of kept coming back and coming back in matches. They had that big loss against Arsenal. They've had some big wins, though, in this season. And, and they just they just keep hanging around, hanging around in matches. They never say die. I mean, this, this is a team that, I mean, if we remember, was basically bottom of the Prem table for most of last season, shot like a rocket up to avoid relegation, and now has done very well on this season. I mean, you look you look at some of the matches they've played, you know, winning 2-1 at West Ham, um, winning 3-2 at home against Aston Villa, you know, that's whatever, um, and now drawing 2-2 against Southampton. They also had that 2-2 draw against Stoke where they had to come all the way back. Their, their competition hasn't been the toughest so far, but, but they're making the most of their opportunities. How do we rate Leicester going forward, though? Is this a team that has staying power? Does Jamie Vardy have staying power? Is this Real Madrid's Jamie Vardy? Or or is this something that's eventually going to fade over time? Well, the only problem with Jamie Vardy, and not that it's it's not going to be a problem for Leicester, uh, you know, the only problem with calling him Real Madrid's Jamie Vardy is that Jamie Vardy is actually... If he's not thirty years old yet, he's he's very close to it. Um, and you know, it's not that the guy has. It's not like suddenly he's just this like flashing a flashing a pan player. It's just that uh, I'm so oh, okay. He's twenty eight. He'll yeah. be twenty nine in January. Um, you know, it's not like he's a new kid. It's not like he's a flashing a pan or anything, mm-hmm. but. For the longest time, you know, Vardy has not, you know, he was not a Premier League player. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, came up, I believe, through Sheffield, uh, ended up at Leicester. So, you know, he's kind of come up with the Foxes. <coughs> and, you know, you, you never really know what to think of guys who suddenly show up in the Premier League later in their career. Um, you know, even if they come out and they're, they're scoring goals, they're playing well, but he is, he has been playing great. Um, I think he well deserves the call up to the England national squad. Mm-hmm. Um, an England national squad that's already always trying to find guys who actually play first team football. <laughs> always nice to find one somewhere. Um, yeah. you know, Lester, as you said, they have not had the most brutal run to start the season. Mm-hmm. I think they have done just a fantastic job because, you know, it, it's always what's the race to, what, 30, 38 points, something mm-hmm. like that yeah. race. Um, they have definitely started the season off very well. Uh, I, I do believe every year Leicester's first priority is to survive relegation, mm-hmm. and they are well on their way to doing that. And then anything after that is sort of, uh, it's like, it's gravy. 
you know, I wonder if this team is going to be a team that can make a run toward one of the cups. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if this is a team that, you know, here's the other problem. No, no one in the premier league. And this is why scary as it is Liverpool, who've had such a terrible start still have a chance to finish top four. And it's not totally out of the realm of possibility. It's just because no one is running away. No one's running away with the league this year. Oh yeah. No one can decide. Do we want to be, you know, one week? Yeah. We want to be top four. We want to be one of the best in the world. The next week eh, we'll be crap. (laughs) So, um, you know, when the league is like that, a Leicester is going to have a better chance of sticking around. Certainly. Um, Just because the, the heavyweights, have not just started slugging people out of the way this season saying, getting out of my way. You know, they've been able to get draws in some big matches that they were probably underdogs in. Um, you know, Swansea suddenly seems to be regressing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, you know, to come back and just, just to take points, but not only take points, but keep teams that you're fighting for those spots with oh, yeah. to keep them from getting two more points. Mm-hmm. That's huge. huge. That's huge for Lester. And, um, I don't see I don't see the Champions League in Leicester's future this year. Yes, um, but I'm gonna tell you, man, if if we get into May and we're saying, you know, there's a good chance Leicester's gonna be in Europa next year. I think that is, you know, for for Leicester, that would be a massive, massive accomplishment. Certainly, when basically coming into your season with the great escape last yeah. year, with having to replace your manager less than a month before the season started your goal was avoid relegation. Mm-hmm. And it looks like they're going to. Um, a couple other matches, just real quick. Um, we see United win 3-0. We see Arsenal win 3-0. Uh, City obviously have their huge win. Uh, Wes, out of those three teams right now, those three look like they're going to be the front runners to winning the league. Yeah, they should. Which one of those three was most looks to be the most impressive going forward this season. I'll say it, especially after what we saw today in the Champions League. Um my God, every time we want to write them off, Arsenal does something. Yeah. Every time we we want to say, all right, they they haven't got the nuts to do this. Today they go and they beat Bayern Munich 2 0. Yeah. Um, you know, they get a three nil win the other day. Um <clears throat> Four, I, I still believe Arsenal can win this league. They are going to have to find a way to stay healthy and keep guys in form. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jack Wilshere is such a talented young man, and he just can't stay healthy for anything. Yeah. Same with Theo Walcott. Oxlade Chamberlain's had his problems before. Mesut Ozil, as as great a world-class talent as he is, he will go a month stretch, and you basically forget he's on the field. Um, that defense always looks like it's ready to capitulate at any time. Yeah. But, man, when you just say they have so much firepower, you know, if they can keep the likes of Alexis Sanchez healthy, oh, excuse me, now uh, they've lost Aaron Ramsey for – uh, six weeks, I think. Um, I can Aaron check Ram- on that. Aaron, Aaron Ramsey's injured now. Um, I mean, God, if they can just keep any semblance of health, 
I still think Arsenal could be the team to beat. City, ju- just when everybody wanted to write City off, they're right back into it. Um, and, you know, they, they get the big win the other day, you know, without Aguero and without um, – oh, crap, who else is hurt for City? Um, I'm not – Oh, uh, David Silva. Yeah. So, I mean, without those two guys, you know, Kevin De Bruyne, yeah, he kind of showed you – he's shown in the Premier League and he showed today in Europe – Man, that's why we paid a shitload of money for him because he has just these moments of brilliance. Uh, Raheem Sterling, the the uh, the knock on him at Liverpool was he couldn't finish. Um, I think he's been working on it. Yes, <laughs> uh, he gets the hat trick. Um, you know, and then his uh, his his uh, manager just just drives the stake a little more in Liverpool hearts. Saying, "Oh God, this would be perfect." Yeah, the reason we left was because of Rogers. If you just hired Klopp, we would have been happy to stay. What a, what a great agent! What a great oh, agent! Mighty Ward. Well, hey, but really, by doing it, he totally. I mean, he he can now come out and say, "Look, Liverpool, you're not the reason we left. We loved being in Liverpool. It was all Brendan Rogers." Yeah, of course. And, and by we'll get on that a little bit, I'm sure. But that's what you're kind of starting to see all of a sudden is all these guys are suddenly saying, you know. Uh, me and Brendan Rodgers didn't get along. You know, um, Markovic, you know, he, he had to go alone because he and Brendan Rodgers weren't getting along. Yeah. You know, Rodgers wouldn't play Sacco for whatever reason. So, but, but you know, anyway, um, not, not to try to get too far off topic here. Um, so, that we could have kept Raheem Sterling. United, I don't think United is going to win the league. Mm-hmm. But United is capable of being good enough to look like on, on good days that they can win the league. Yeah, I would agree That's, with that. Yeah, I, just, I believe in the long run it's going to come down to Arsenal City. Um, I would call Arsenal the slight favorite. But then I want to see can Arsenal hold their nerve mm-hmm. if, they, if they are in a race <laughs> in um, – in March and April and May, mm-hmm. I want to see can they hold their nerve when they have to. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to uh, to keep up with here. You know, as as much of a, we lacked a race last year in the Premier League, this one proves that there's at least going to be a couple teams in it, unless unless Arsenal just completely falls apart and City just takes this by the horns. I I, I see this being at least a two team race, if not three teams, till just about. Mid-May towards the end of May, um, and, and real quick, just this, I could see both of the, I could find reasons for both of those teams to fall apart. By the way, so oh, absolutely, we yeah. we thought City was going to fall apart at the beginning of the season. So yeah, I mean, I don't think either. Uh, I didn't pick City for the top four. So yeah, I was I was wrong. I, I meant to not pick Chelsea for the top four. That was it. Of course, of course. No one, no one believes in Chelsea. Um, we're going to give you now your Premier League fixture list for this upcoming weekend. Uh, no early games on Saturday. Uh, six games, five of them at 10 a.m., including Villa versus Swansea. Oh, is Tim Sherwood going to fall on that sword after that match? We will see. Uh, Leicester hosts Palace. Norwich gets, gets West Brom. Stoke gets Watford. West Ham gets Chelsea. Oh, that could be fun. And uh, Arsenal versus Everton at 12.30. On Sunday, excuse me, you get four matches. Sunderland, Newcastle at 8 a.m. So wake up for that early, or or don't. 
Uh, at 10 a.m., you get Bournemouth hosting Tottenham and the Manchester Derby, United hosting the Citizens. And at 12.15, this, this could be a fun one. Liverpool, Southampton, the Saints resurgent. Liverpool getting their first home Premier League match with Jurgen Klopp. They'll get their first home match on Thursday this week in Europa. But that's that's going to be some fun, fun, fun football on Sunday. Uh, real quick for Liverpool, the death march through the... Uh... Yes. Through the Premier League continues uh, this week, Southampton, next week, Chelsea. Uh, after that, Crystal Palace. After that, Manchester City. And after that, Swansea. So Easy peasy. Yeah, maybe, maybe Swansea will break a little bit. So and don't forget, throw in there some Europa matches and um, throw in there a League Cup tie with uh, Bournemouth. Of course. Um, as we look at the table... Still at the top, City are up there with 21 points. Arsenal and United both have 19. West Ham in fourth with 17. Leicester in fifth with 16. Crystal Palace just outside with 15. And Tottenham in seventh with 14. At the bottom of your heart, the relegation zone. Bournemouth are in 17th with 8 points. Newcastle, they got the win, but they're still only at 6 points. Villa have just 4. And Sunderland have 3 points through nine matches. Big Sam has a big job in front of him if he wants to keep the Black Cats up. Well, you mentioned, Wes, uh, the League Cup. Uh, that will be taking place next week. Um, your matches in that one on Tuesday the 27th. Everton hosts Norwich. Sheffield Wednesday gets Arsenal at home. Hull City gets Leicester at home. That used to be a Premier League match. Stoke gets Chelsea at the Britannia. Then on Wednesday, City gets Palace at the Etihad. Liverpool, as you said, takes on Bournemouth. Southampton plays Villa at St. Mary's. And Manchester United gets Middlesbrough at Old Trafford. Um, For that, though, now we go into the Champions. These are the Champions League group stages. Um, We had some fun matches. Had some not-so-fun matches, but we had some fun ones. Uh, in group, We'll start with Group A, though. We'll go alphabetically. Um, Paris, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Malmo. Malmo gets their first win of this group stage, beating Shakhtar Donetsk at home 1-0. A goal by Marcus Rosenberg in the 17th minute. Won it for Malmo. And in the match, everybody was dying to see this week. It was going to be the match to watch. PSG nil, Real Madrid nil. Nobody really looked like they cared. At the end of the day, both teams got their point. They're fine. Yeah, they're both at seven points in the group. Malmo is at three, Shakhtar at nil. Of course, if you're just joining us, uh, and I don't know why you would be, and you've never been through the Champions League before with us, uh, top two teams in the group go to the knockout phase, third place takes the drop to Europa, fourth place is out. Right now, that's where Shakhtar, who tried to shock the world last year, they are currently on zero points and in danger of dropping out. In Group B, uh, it was CSKA Moscow, one, Manchester United, one. Saido Dumbia had the lone goal for Moscow. Anthony Martial, he's actually been pretty good this year, equalized for United in the 65th minute. And then it was Wolfsburg 2, PSV Eindhoven, Nil, Bas Dost, and Max Kreuz both scoring for Wolfsburg to get them the win at the Volkswagen Arena, which makes Wolfsburg top of the Wolfsburg top of the table, six points. United and Moscow both have four points. Eindhoven three. And West, this is a 
wide open group where pretty much any of these teams could finish in almost any of these spots now. Absolutely. I think uh, United fans had to be disappointed with the way that uh, CSKA match went today. Uh, Before we came on tonight, I did have a chance. I kind of skimmed through most all the matches from today and a few from yesterday. Um, United just, I don't know, to me, me, United just kind of never looked comfortable. Mm Mm-hmm. And I mean, part of that could be, you know, you're in Moscow. That's that's not an easy place to go and play. Nope. Uh, you know, obviously we're at that time of the year where it's starting to cool down in the world. Um, it, it looked like it'd be ready to snow at any moment in Moscow. You could see the players' breath as they played. Um, so a very chilly evening in Moscow. And those fans were definitely fired up to see a major club like uh, Manchester United coming into town. And uh, I really think United were kind of lucky to get out of there with their point. Certainly, and it's been a bit of a slog so far for United, having lost their first match against Eindhoven uh, before getting the win against Wolfsburg. Uh, And, of course, they're going to be getting Moscow at home uh, in two weeks' time. Uh, We have hit the halfway point in Champions League group stage, so it'll be... Uh, you play the, your third and fourth matches against the same teams home and away. Speaking of which, in Group C, it was Atletico Madrid for Astana nil. Uh, a multitude of goals coming from Madrid as they saw themselves go top of the table, sharing it with Benfica, who lost 2-1 at Galatasaray. Oh, that night in Istanbul was very good for the Turkish team. Uh, Nicolas Gaetan started off very early for Benfica with a goal in the second minute. But Selçuk Inyan had a penalty in the 19th minute. And Lucas Podolski won it for Galatasaray in the 33rd minute. So what this sets up is Benfica and Madrid at 6 points. Galatasaray 4. Astana 1 point. Uh, They might have something to say about this group's pecking order before all is said and done, Wes. But again, this is another group. Galatasaray, if they can pick up another win on the road um, against Benfica in two weeks, this is another group that is wide open. Um, Absolutely. And for Atletico, you know, I think we were all stunned to see them lose the opener in this group. Mm -hmm. Um, But they're coming back and they're playing like we thought they would. I think they're still your favorites to win. Uh, and even though ESPNFC has them listed as second in the group, they should be on top of Benfica because they do have the uh, superior goal differential at five. Well, I think actually, and correct me if I'm wrong here, it might. Um, yeah, actually, uh, in group stage play, and I should have seen this too, uh, tiebreaker, the first tiebreaker is actually head to head points. And because Benfica beat Atletico, uh, they actually own the tiebreaker right now. There you go. So that's why Benfica is right now top of the group. My apologies to the Portuguese side. Uh, in Group D, Juventus have seven points. This comes after a draw with Borussia Mönchengladbach, nil-nil in Turin. And oh, City, they've been leaving it late. They've been leaving it late, but they do it again. Uh, two goals uh, come back for the win after Yevhen Konoplyanka uh, started the scoring for Sevilla. Uh Adel Ramey had an own goal to equalize for Manchester City. And then Kevin De Bruyne, Captain Gingy himself, won it for City in the 91st minute on a nice individual piece of effort, although maybe Sevilla 
kind of let him just waltz into the box and get a shot off. Uh, but it was a very important win for Manchester City. They sit at second place now in the group at six points. Sevilla in third with three points. Mönchengladbach with just one, obviously. Oh, they're just sorely missing Fabian Johnson. Oh, wait, he played? Never mind. Um, so, Wes, this was a group that started off with Manchester City getting a disappointing loss at home to Juventus. But here they are now, two matches later. They sit in second place, just one point behind Juve and three clear of Sevilla now. Well, and they've done okay then. Um, you know, when, when you're a when you're a top class team and another top class team comes into your in you know, either into your stadium or you go to their stadium, kind of like PSG and Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you don't have a problem with a one one draw. Uh, but also for someone like City, you know, hey, if you just take care of your business against uh, Sevilla and uh, Mönchengladbach, I mean, you can you can lose twice to Juventus, and it's not the end of the world. You'll still go through. So, um, you know, kudos to City for you know showing some mental toughness and uh, holding serve these last couple of matches. Yeah, we'll see how they do when they go in two weeks to Sevilla for the return leg of that one. Uh, over in Group E. Yeah, Barcelona now vaults to the top of the table with a win over BATE Borisov. Ivan Rakitic with a pair of goals, uh, my math wants to say 16 minutes apart in the second half. Gets a somewhat, maybe again, back under the radar Barcelona team. Uh, a 2-0 win on the road. And then Bayer Leverkusen, maybe the most inter- yeah oh, match of the week, I'd say. Bayer Leverkusen 4, Roma 4, Leverkusen was down 4-2 in the final 6 minutes, but goals by Kevin Kuppel and Admir Mahemdi uh, got a point for Leverkusen at home. Danielle De Rossi had a brace for the Italian side. And uh, in that match, don't don't gloss over too quickly that Leverkusen had a 2-0 lead. Yes, and then gave up four goals, and then scored two in the last six minutes to force the draw. Yeah, this is a crazy group where really right now you have Leverkusen and Roma, the other kind of maybe known names, known commodities after Barca. But now you have right now Borisov in third place right now with three points. Roma have just two. Leverkusen have four. So Barcelona, yeah, now they're up to seven points, starting to kind of pull away from the pack a little bit. But this is a group, and this is something we're seeing, I think, maybe more than we did last year, groups being hotly contested midway through, and this one's going to go down to the wire. I mean, if Borisov can find another win like they did against Roma uh, about a month ago, they might see themselves go through being just one point back of Bayer Leverkusen. Um, It is interesting, and, you know, Roma's finding themselves in a tough spot. Yeah, the loss and then the back-to-back draws. They really, really needed three points today. Um, you know, if Leverkusen can just put together some good performances, um, I think they can see themselves going through and just Roma. You know, Roma just not having enough to get back after that really slow start they've had. Yeah, that's that's got to be tough for them. This will be two extra points. They are going to really wish they had going forward. Uh, Group F, a group that has been sort of turned on its head now. Uh, It looked like the storyline was going to be Bayern just running away with it, 
There is a team running away with the group stage title. It's not Bayern anymore, though. We'll get to them later. But it was Arsenal 2, Bayern Munich 0, a game that looked like Bayern had almost no intention of winning. Uh, saw Arsenal score late on Olivier Giroud's goal in the 77th and Mesut Ozil's at-the-death goal that gets Arsenal a really life-saving three points in this group. And then also, it's Dynamo Zagreb nil, Olympiacos 1, Brown Idaye with a goal in the 79th minute. Puts Olympiacos at six points, level on points with Bayern. Uh, they did lose to Bayern 3-0 in the opening game of this group stage. So they are in second. But Bayern and Olympiacos both on six. Zagreb and Arsenal at three. And where, you know, a month ago, Wes, we were saying, well, Arsenal has to get three points or they're dead. Well, they got three points. And because... Uh, Bayern didn't beat Olympiacos, or they, or, or because uh, Olympiacos beat Zagreb. This whole group is just completely, again, up for grabs. And Arsenal could go from the bottom, where if they beat Arsenal somehow next week at the Allianz, which I don't expect to happen, but if they do, they could just win the friggin' group. <clears throat> Arsenal, you've got to expect, would go into the Allianz fully prepared and having no problem with taking a draw in that match. Mm-hmm. Um, they they did a big, they pulled a big shocker today and got the three points. And yeah, Arsenal fans, I'm sorry, it is a shocker when you beat uh, Munich. A team that had won its first two games by a combined 8-0 in the group stage, yeah. And you lost to those two teams that they beat 8-0. Yeah. Um, so it was an upset. Uh, all congratulations in the world to Arsenal. They played a really good match today. And uh, they they deserved to get the win from, uh, from Munich. But um, they have got to no freaking way. Daniel Murphy just hit a bomb. <laughs> I thought he was just up like a minute ago. He was. He, he's got three hits tonight now. Oh, my. No, he's got four hits. He's got two singles, a double, and a bomb. Seventh home run in a row. Seventh game in a row with a bomb. Wow. Um, anyway, uh, Cubs lose, Cubs lose. Um, but Arsenal, they've got to get now. Every match for them is just massive. Because yeah. a, loss, a loss anywhere is going to knock them out of this. If they want a chance, they have got to go to the Allianz. They have got to pray for the very least. They've got to get a draw out of that. Yes, absolutely. And that puts them at four points. And then, depending on what happens in the other game, hope for a draw between, uh, you know, Gala and um, um, Olympiacos and Zagreb. Olympi- yeah. yeah, I'm sorry, Olympiacos and Zagreb. Uh, hope for a draw between those two, and then you got to go win those two matches. You're you're exactly right because if they fall behind, and I mean if they if they lose to Bayern. And if Olympiacos beats Zagreb, because the last match was on the road, if they beat them at home, both Bayern and Olympiacos would be at nine points, uh, and Arsenal would be at three. They could only get six in their next two matches, so they'd almost... They, I mean, they, they absolutely do have to get a point here, and they, they have to hope Olympiacos also uh, either loses or, or draws Zagreb. Um, so, Group G, also another uh, uh, English side that is having a little bit of trouble so far. Uh, Chelsea gets a nil-nil draw on the road at Dynamo Kiev. Porto beats Israeli side Maccabi Tel Aviv 
2-0 uh, goals by Vincent Abubakar and Yassin Brahimi. Uh, four minutes apart, get Porto the points. Porto lead the group with seven. Kiev have five. Chelsea have four. Maccabi yet to get on the board. They are at zero points. So Chelsea, despite what has been a very, I think by their standards, poor campaign so far, Wes, they still have a really real chance to uh, to get out, especially if they can uh, get a win against Dynamo Kiev at the bridge in two weeks. Oh, absolutely. I mean, a win fixes everything for them in that group. Um, they're they're probably going to have a tough time. They may have a tough time catching Porto. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think right now Josie will just be happy to qualify for the knockout round. Yes. Because, you know, I mean, who really cares where you're seated or where you are in it? I mean, yeah, it depends. It matters with who you play. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, as long as you get into the – Knockout round. I mean, you'll be fine. You'll Absolutely. Be fine. And this uh, this year it might be okay because some of the teams that could end up winning the group won't be like your total world beaters like Wolfsburg. No disrespect to Wolfsburg. Wolfsburg could win Group B. Um, Benfica right now could possibly win Group C. Um, and even, you know... We would laugh a little bit. Manchester City could win Group D, um, so there, there, there is definitely chances that the group winners might not be as strong as normal. So finishing second might not be a death sentence this year. Well, and just looking at the two groups below them, um, or I'm sorry, the group below them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Zenit, who is a strong side. Don't get me wrong, Zenit Valencia. I mean, one of those two are going to qualify number one out of that. So even if you finish second, like you said, there is a good chance you can still avoid maybe a Madrid or a Bayern, someone like that, and still get a pretty good draw. But like I say, you know, Chelsea is a team who they're used to playing top sides. So even if they did go in and say through Barcelona or something, I don't think they would be intimidated one bit. No, not at all. Don't know if they'd win, but they wouldn't be intimidated. And you mentioned them in Group H, Zenit St. Petersburg. They are the first team to qualify for more football this year. They are assured of at least Europa League football. But if they get a result in any of their next three matches, they will qualify for the group stage. And that is after a big 3-1 win against Lyon in St. Petersburg. Artyom Zioba, uh, Hulk, and uh, Danny all scoring for Zenit Lacazetti. Hey, there's that guy, Alexander Lacazetti, scoring the lone goal for Lyon. And it was Valencia 2, Ghent 1, uh, to give Valencia 3 points. Uh, so Zenit has 9, Valencia has 6, Lyon and Ghent uh, both have 1. Which means, again, Zenit need just a result. Valencia, if they beat Ghent in their next match... They're also almost completely assured. Uh, in fact, no, no, there, there is still a scenario where they could win and then still not advance if they lose their next two. But if Valencia win and Zenit get a result in their next matches, uh, this group is basically done, except to see who gets to go to Europa. Yay! Yay. No one wants to go. Neither Lyon nor Gent want to go. No. Mm. I mean, I think Leon could be fun if they if they got into Europa, but like eh. well, just needs to go ahead and get ready to come to uh, play for Klopp. Oh, we'll we'll be we'll be uh, 
we'll be keeping an eye on him in the uh, the, the transfer market coming up here. God, another transfer market is about to open. No. No, I don't want to do it. I love the transfers. I know you do. I just, I just, it's too long for me. It's too long. It's too much, much too long. It's only a month this time. So. Ah, that's true. Uh, so that's your group stage. Again, they'll be playing again in two weeks' time in the Champions League. Quick uh, Europa League preview. Uh, Liverpool will be playing their uh, match at Anfield against Ruben Kazan out of Russia. And uh, Tottenham have headed to Anderlecht to play the Belgian side, of course. No love lost between these two teams. They they have a bit of a checkered history together, UEFA Cups and all that. Um, so the uh, that's going to about do it for our recaps of matches. Now just a few news and notes here before we uh, finish out our soccer talk for the week. Um, this is a bit of a strange story, Wes, because uh, I, I don't really remember something like this happening recently. Uh, the uh, The board of the Football League, the, the great and powerful football league in England, uh, has basically thrown out Leeds United president Massimo Celino, that's not a mobster name at all, under its uh, owners and directors test, as they call it. Uh, in June, he was found guilty by a court in Sardinia of an offense under Italian tax legislation relating to the non-payment of value-added tax on the importation of a Land Rover vehicle. This resulted in a fine of 40,000 euros and the confiscation of the vehicle. Having considered detailed legal advice, and this is from a uh, memo the Football League put out, and the court's reasoned uh, judgment, as supplied by Mr. Salino, the board determined that the decision of the Italian court constitutes a disqualifying condition under the owner's and director's test, he has until October 28, which is next week, to appeal against the board's decision. Wes, do you, do you remember, you've followed the Prem for longer than I have. Do you remember, uh, I mean, you know, English football in general, do you remember this ever happening? Um, I'm not going to lie and say, I'm not going to make a broad statement and say it hasn't happened. Uh-huh. Um, I, I really can't remember it myself. Uh, of course, and you know me, there are times where I don't exactly pay attention to the details of things. That happens. I, I just like to get my, my headline and move on. Um, basically, it almost sounds like this is kind of like an ethics code of conduct thing. Sort of, yeah. Um, and then also, you know, they are they're very choosy. When it comes to uh, ownership, oh yeah, which they, they need to be, you know, we've seen what bad ownership does to, you know, even the most rock solid of clubs, Hicks and Gillette. Thanks a lot, <laughs> um, but you know, if if they're finding evidence that, you know, he's he's cheating on his taxes, uh, or whatever, they're kind of finding evidence of. Uh, then how can you then turn around and let him own a team when now you just don't trust him to do what's supposed to be right? Chris Bryant just crushed the bomb. Oh, maybe they're not dead. It's eight to three. Yeah, they're dead. Yeah, they're Cubs. Of course, Leeds also uh, in a bit of uh, a spotty patch right now. They're currently 18th in the championship out of 24 teams. And uh, they got a draw today against Fulham 1-1 in uh, Steve Evans' first game in charge. Yes, Steve Evans, now uh, head boss at Leeds. He's their sixth manager in 18 months. 
And the thing that's a, that's a saddle, man. Leeds United. I mean, even in the in the Premier League era, they for a while they were one of the absolute top teams to you know to come out of England. Um, they have. I'm trying to pull up there. Here we go. I'm trying to pull up their Wikipedia. I feel like they've um, they've won a cup at some point, like a major they, tournament. They have, had, they have had European success. Uh, Don Revy. Yeah, you know, they they had a great run back in the 1970s. Um, uh, they've won. Let me see. They've won the the FA Cup. Uh, they've won the League Cup. Uh, they they were runners up in the Champions League in 1974, 1975. Uh, they were the cup uh, winners cup runner up in 72, 73, and they mm-hmm. won the Intercities Fairs Cup. Whatever. That can, is. Um, and I also believe maybe back in the uh, in the 90s. Here we go. Uh, Premier League. I mean, they won the they won the first division slash Premier League. They've won it three times as recently as 91, 92. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, this was, and, you know, even back in the nineties, you know, Sir Alex, they always gave United hell. They always gave Liverpool hell. They always gave all the top clubs all they wanted. And I mean, they were, they were a pretty consistent, you know, top six club. And now they've fallen all the way into this point. Uh, you know, Maximilio, Massimilio, uh, Cellino, he was supposed to be the owner who was going to come in and save them, you know, big bucks, Italian businessman. Well, that should have been your first, uh, yeah. right there, Italian businessman. That's not Oops. really working these days. Um, and unfortunately it looks like another false prophet has come into, uh, to Ellen road and Leeds United. And they are no closer. They're no closer to returning to the premier league today than they have been at any time recently. Yeah, again, sitting near the bottom of the championship, it'll be a tough struggle for them to come back up with or without uh, their owner around. Um, I'm going to go to another story because I was trying to pull up this USMNT story, and it's not loading right this second. So this is what I wanted to talk about. Not so much for who it is and and more the teams involved. And that's uh, the Ezekiel Lavetsi rumored uh, to be leaving PSG at mm-hmm. the end of the season and going mm-hmm. to Barcelona. Of course, Barcelona has had, you know, the transfer ban. They haven't been able to bring in anybody. They'll be able to, I believe, in this upcoming January window. But to me, Wes, and I guess it's probably different over there just of how things work with with transfers and whatnot, but mm-hmm. it just feels really weird for me, especially for a big club like PSG to have one of its players basically say, well, you know, uh, once uh, June rolls around, uh, I'm gonna be out of here. So, see ya. You know, like, like how does how does a group of players respond to that? Like, do they really care in this day and age? Or, I mean, couldn't something like this kind of break a clubhouse, so to speak? I, I don't think so. This is this is actually probably much more commonplace than you think. Um, I I want to say I didn't see the word in there, but this is basically like a bossman transfer. Where the player the player is out of contract, 
uh, at the end of the season, which yeah. means hey, he can sign a pre-contract agreement with anyone he wants. Mm-hmm. That's not a problem at all. Um, you know, usually you don't hear about him this early, right? But you know, I mean, just think about Lewandowski, um, Roberto Le- Robert Lewandowski when he was at Dortmund. I mean, everyone knew for a year that as soon as his contract was up, he was signing with Bayern Munich. And that's exactly what happened. But what did he do? He put Dortmund on his back and carried him to the Champions League final that year. Right. So there is precedent where, you know, um, guys actually turn into motivation. And to this day and age, I mean, when team spirit, I think, is kind of, (laughs) you know, kind of a a tongue-in-cheek word to use now. Right. um, Guys realize it's a business Mm -hmm. and that they're doing what's best for them. So I think his teammates at PSG, as long and you know Levetti's a guy, he's going to show up. He's going to be a pro. They don't have to worry about him quitting or anything. So it'll be, it won't be a problem. All right. Um, well, moving on to more transfer numbers and maybe another guy, shockingly going to Barcelona. I'd say uh, we're going to do a couple Chelsea stories in a row here, just because these are fun. Um, <clears throat> I like I like this article's headline: Radamel Falcao expected to quit. The word quit is being used here amid oh, Barcelona. They, they, they use that quite liberally over yeah, there. Very liberally. Uh, quit amid Barcelona rumors. I'm taking more of the articles and writers to task there than, than Falcao. Um, well, but no, it, no, well, no, once again, that's kind of an English word that they use. You know, we might use leave. They use mm-hmm. quit. Well, so, of course, they, you know, they're also trying to sell papers. So. They also quit in the American Revolution. Suck it. Um, but I, the, the gist of the story is that Falco is frustrated with his playing time at Chelsea. And, and what is running through my head, Wes, and maybe I'm, I'm wrong on this, too. But I have to imagine, for Falco, what did you really expect when you signed with Chelsea? You, you knew you were going to be behind Costa. In the rotation, you knew that that was kind of going to be the situation. You knew you had just come off of a very poor season at United and would probably be used somewhat sparingly. I I, I know that he wasn't uh, put in as one of the eighteen this uh, weekend against Aston Villa, but I just I, I kind of got to think, you know, what what were you expecting when you signed with Chelsea? Well, and, and now you use the, the word sign. Don't forget, he's still actually on loan from Monaco. That's true. This guy, he didn't sign from Chile. For Chile. He didn't sign, and that's why he could easily, they could easily do something in January and get him out of there. Um, <clears throat> Radamel Falcao, and it's it's kind of, it's a sad situation. Oh, it's terrible. Because, you know, Radamel Falcao two years ago was, if not the best striker in the world, was in the discussion of the top three strikers in the world. Absolutely. Uh, when he went to Monaco, you know, left Atletico Madrid, went to Monaco for that huge, huge transfer, um, and then he tears his ACL. Yeah. And he has been literally a shell of his of the player he was since then. Uh, you know, the disastrous, tran- the disastrous uh, loan at United a season ago. This one at Chelsea is not turning out much better. Um, for Falcao, from what I've seen, from what I've heard, he's a guy, he he wants, he obviously believes in himself. Which, I mean, pro athletes, you got to believe in yourself. Of course. Um, 
it almost sounds like, you know, he's one of those guys, he feels he needs a run of games to be able to get himself back into the form he was in. And I mean, you know, you, you've got to admit ever since he's come back from this injury, you know, with United, it was a match here, a match there. Well, if you don't do good, you won't play for two or three matches. Um, that's tough for a guy. And it's kind of been the same thing at Chelsea. That's tough for, for top players who most of them thrive on, you know, getting into a routine, knowing you're going to play, playing on a regular basis. That gets you back into your routine and you can get back to doing what you do. Right now, the problem for Falcao is probably the best place he could be right now is Monaco. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he's making so much money. And, you know, Monaco basically signed him for huge money. And then we're like, oh, crap, we can't afford this. Um, so, you know, Chelsea, United last year, Chelsea this year, they're paying a big part of his salary. Uh, so Monaco almost have to loan him out. That's the only way they can really do much of anything. Um, the problem he's run into, though, is that he's gone going to a Premier League team on loan is brutal because the Premier League, every match is so blitheringly important in the oh, Premier League. Absolutely. Uh, because the money's so big. Um, and, and really, you know, it's, it's not like going to Germany or Spain or, you know, Italy or France where, you know, there are two or three teams that are going to win it and that's it. And everybody else is kind of, you know, whatever. I mean, every year in the premier league, there's five or six teams that you think can legitimately win it. And then another five who can fuck your world up at any moment. Yeah. Um, and with the stakes being so high. You know, last year with uh, Louis Van Hall, he couldn't just say, well, all right, we'll just play him until he gets back in shape. You know, and this year Mourinho, under all the intense pressure he's suddenly under, he can't say, all right, I'll just stick with you till you play your way back in shape. So it's kind of, it's a catch-22 for Falcao that he may still be one of the best talents in the world, mm -hmm. but he has to have game time to get himself back into that. Right. But unfortunately where he's been, no one can afford him that game time. Yeah, just just a poor run of luck for Falcao and, and like you said, I think just, just getting back to Monaco would be probably the best thing for his confidence right now and just, just really getting back to being a top flight player. Um that's not the only news for Chelsea though this week. Um did you hear about uh Chelsea, you know, and, and Josie not being too happy that uh one of the uh the people who was on the the board that suspended him um, for for previous and fined him for some comments is actually an Arsenal fan. <laughs> of course, because uh, there's always a campaign against Josie. Oh, of course, you know, jo Josie never deserves any punishment that he receives for being an asshole. No, of course not. Apparently, never this is uh, Nicholas Stewart. Uh, he was at the hearing. Um, for Josie's uh, suspension case. And uh, he is apparently uh, someone, uh, Charles Sale of the Daily Mail writes, uh, no one questions his integrity or legal expertise, but 
His involvement in cases involving Arsenal's major Premier League rivals has caused problems before. In 2009, Sir Alex Ferguson was furious that he sat in judgment when Patrice Evra received a four-match ban. Um, and this was uh, this one for Mourinho was after he uh, he lashed out at officials uh, following their 3-1 loss against Southampton, which again was kind of a clean win. But either way. Um, <clears throat> This is this is apparently a person who is a well-known fan of the Gunners and a regular visitor to the Emirates. Um, Sally suggested a spokesperson from the Football Association has confirmed all members of the three-person committee had been approved by the Professional Game Board, which is made up of club representatives. So is this is this something that is actually a thing, Wes, or is this just as you said, campaign against Chelsea? Um, I, I truly don't really see it being a deal. I mean, here's the thing, man. Everyone who's on any FA board, they've got a club that they support. Because how does everyone in sports begin, Ed? We all begin as fans. Yeah. You know, um, you know, I mean, it's not like, oh, I'm on the FA board. Um, yeah, I've never watched soccer before. Don't give, don't really give a shit, but I'm on the board now. Yes. No, that's not how it works. Everyone grows up a fan. You know, we grow up as either Liverpool fans or we grow up a Chelsea fan or a City fan or, you know, by the way, those City fans, um, they grew up very quick because they jumped on a bandwagon really yes, fast. They did. Yes, um, they did. You know, or, you know, Crystal Palace, Rebecca Lua, uh, or Portsmouth, um, oh, or uh, Pompey. Pompey for you, sorry. And, you know, everyone has a club. Mm-hmm. Um, do I think it's in, do I think it, it maybe is just a lack of some judgment from the FA Yes. to put a guy who apparently is a very vocal supporter of Arsenal on there against one of Arsenal's biggest rivals. That doesn't look good. I, yeah. Like I don't think it's something malicious, but it's definitely an oversight. It's yeah, exactly. It's it's definitely an oversight, um, because I mean, let's let's take our beloved Rebecca Lua. She is she is a Crystal Palace fan. She said it, but you never get any inkling when she's on the air that she's a Crystal Palace fan, no. unless someone else happens to bring it up, like as a joke or something. Right. You know, so she, she's not showing any bias. Um, I <laughs> here's the thing. Josie did wrong. Josie knows it. Josie won't admit that he did wrong. So let's find someone else to blame for the reason that I'm getting suspended or I'm getting fined. There you go. It's like this way. Josie, Josie at this point can just, he can deflect blame and he can make the story. The story still about him, but no longer is it that Josie did wrong. It's that Josie got wronged. Oh, it's so amazing. Uh, well, obviously, Josie is probably not going to win the suspension. He's already served it. And uh, we'll, we'll see if, if the FA wants to kind of maybe change how they, they sort of bring in guys into the three-person panel and maybe say, well, you know what, maybe, maybe just for this one we'll switch you out because there may be a perceived conflict of interest here. So we're just going to completely avoid that and bring in someone else for this, just this one. But, you know, 
Knowing the FA, they probably won't. Um, the USMNT story I wanted to mention was that the home and away series for the spot in the 2016 Olympics has been set. It will be in March. They will be playing against Colombia for the right to go to the 2016 Olympics in Rio. Um, so they will have to play in the Intercontinental Playoff to get there. Of course, this is after they lost to Honduras in the semifinal um, and finished outside the top two. Um, of their tournament to get in. So this will be a big test for the USMNT uh, in what has been a bit of a tumultuous year for them uh, in all levels, not just the under-23s, but the men's national team as well. All right, so now as we hit the other big story, we want to remind you that uh, this podcast, a foreign affair podcast, is being brought to you by uh, NGSC Sports and NGSCSports.com, where we never stop. And Wes, apparently, the strip shows don't stop at Louisville. Sex party. Because I feel like this is the story. I gave you three options, and I'm st- I'm really feeling like this is the one you want to talk about. Um, of course you do. And not only that, we have a sort of almost connection to this story, as you mentioned early in the pre-pod, um, with Montrez Harrell, uh, a former uh, North Edgecombe player, North Edgecombe High School uh, pretty in our pretty close to our coverage area here, uh, pretty close to where both of us live. Um, he went to go play college basketball at Louisville, just graduated this past year, and now applies his trade for the Houston Rockets of the National Basketball Association. But uh, he was he was there in this time period that's referenced in this story, Wes, and I'm, we're talking from the uh, I'm oh, at his, least his his face was on Sports Center this morning. Oh, that is beautiful. <laughs> that's one of the players' names. Oh, fantastic. Uh, this is yeah. This is the ESPN report. Uh, five former U- University of Louisville basketball players and recruits told Outside the Lines, the last venerable bastige of journalism for ESPN, that they intended parties at a campus dorm from 2010 to 2014 that included strippers paid for by the team's former graduate assistant coach, Andre McGee. Um, it, this has basically become sex lies in videotape. Uh, a, a, about a month ago, Patino came out and was like, Nobody in my organization knew anything about this. And then in the last week, it's become, I knew nothing about this. So Patino doing a great job deflecting. Of course, Patino, no stranger to extramarital affairs himself, as we found out a couple years ago. But Wes, a a, a former stripper writing her memoir about, (laughs) which, which is a great thing in and of itself, um... Uh, is is coming out and saying how she and and others would perform at these parties being thrown for recruits on campus on the Louisville campus where players actually had sex with some of these women. I mean, we 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 like to taunt and make fun of the NCAA a lot. Maybe they they are probably our most favorite punching bag after the NFL. But oh my god, they have to absolutely bring down the hammer on Louisville here if even like half of this is true, right? Um, well, of course, against <laughs> Louisville, this is going to be um, obviously impermissible benefits. Yeah. Um, you know, this is going to, and I'm talking just from the abs- actual yeah. legal portion of this because, you know, it just. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't like the NCAA getting involved in morality mm-hmm. things, 
morality is morality. I, I don't think the NCAA should have a say in that. But that said, Louisville could absolutely be nailed on this. Once again, impermissible benefits. There are actual rules against this for recruits. Yes. Um, stemming back to some stuff that happened in Colorado in the uh, a decade ago. Yes. There that. are actual outlines saying that sex parties, strippers, um, are pretty much that that is off limits. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, here's the deal. Here's my deal with Patina. I, I, unlike many people in the state of North Carolina, I like Rick Patina. You know me, Ed. I love tweaking the noses of the state Carolina and Duke fans. You do. So why wouldn't I like Rick Patino? He beats them. Um, <sighs> whatever the NCAA does, that's obviously that's going to take forever just because it's the NCAA. They'll get hit for this in two years. Yeah. Louisville's got to fire Rick Patino. You think you think they have to? Go ahead. No, I was going to say, you think they have to. Here's my deal. As you said, Patino's story has changed yes. over the last few weeks. Of who knows it? And I mean, here's the thing: Are can you, with a straight face, tell me that Rick Patino <clears throat> did not know anything about this? Well, I, I don't. I can't imagine that. Like, I, it, it would just seem so oblivious. Like. To, to be that unawares of what's happening in your program. And and four very big words, and you mentioned North Carolina a few minutes ago, and those have come up a lot with them. But four big words really jump out at me, Wes. Lack. And that's, yes. Of, Go ahead. I'll, I'll let you get it. You got it. Yeah, lack of institutional control. You knew exactly where I was going with this. Oh, that's um, And that's, whether he knew or not at this point, I, I, I would find it very odd if he didn't know anything about it. Uh, whether he does or not, the, you are in charge. You are in loco parentis, as I like to say. Mm-hmm. You are you are there. You hired this person who, who was doing this and, and, and hiring these strippers. You, I assume, hired or got the school to hire Andre McGee as your graduate assistant coach. There you go. He is under you. You are, at the end of the day, responsible for them. You are the head man. It is your job to fall on the sword. And the more I've thought about it, the more I agree, yeah, it's Patino probably has to go. I hate it for him, especially especially yeah. if he legitimately did not know. I hate it for him, but I don't see a way out of this. Well, and, and just here's my deal with Patino, quote, not knowing. These were done there. According to this, there were over 20 of these parties over a four year stretch. Are you telling me that Patino heard absolutely everything was perfectly kept away from him? This is not football. In football, I almost give coaches a little bit more of a pass. You have over a hundred players. You have 30 people on your support staff. Mm. You know, you're dealing with nearly 200 people in a football program. Basketball, you have 13 players, mm-hmm. six or seven of which actually play. Yeah. Um, you have maybe a support staff of 25. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, it's, it's like running a small company. And if you ran a small business, say, and sold, uh, let's say office supply products. Hmm. 
and your assistant manager was having um, strippers and prostitutes in the warehouse every Friday. Oh, yeah. Uh, do you not think that y- you might find something out about it? Um, you know, just as the, as the man in charge, Patino, I'm not, now I'm not saying he knew all the details of this. I'm not saying he knows that like, you know, you can get a blowjob for 50 bucks or something. I'm not saying that. Um, but the thing is it had to, and he probably did not know they were being put on. It's not like he said, Hey, go get some hookers and let's get these guys in school. No, uh, this, but somehow it's got, it had to get back to him that something was going on and he never stopped it. And now he's got the deniability going and that's where, that's where, you know, everybody's just start shaking their head because nowadays this day and age, it has become so hard to lie about these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I heard, you know, I heard the, um, the escort madam, whatever she was this morning. Um, she, she claims that she said to Andre McGee, does Rick know about this? And Andre McGee replied, you know, kind of verbatim. Um, why do you think he wouldn't? Rick knows everything. So that's that's damning. Now real quick, my, my, some of my favorite details about this, are um, how this, this woman who runs her escort services, um, two of her escorts are her daughters. Yeah. That's really weird. I'll not, not, I don't, I don't call it weird. I call it, you know, uh, I call it for what it is. That's trashy. Creepy. Um, <laughs> that's trashy, but you know, it just kind of makes you shake your head. And of course, when we think about this, I mean, this is, this is Kentucky or Ohio, either or. So, you know. well, and, and just reading some of this, you know, as well, th- there's one girl in here who, who is apparently going by the name Mandy. I'm not sure why, but the more important thing is she, she said she went to a party at minority hall where a lot of this took place in 2010 or 11. She estimated that she was 17 at the time and then yet to graduate from high school. This is oh, seven even- better here we go now we're getting underage and here's the other thing if you're having them in the athletic dorm yeah you're saying it's not just basketball players it's the athletic dorm mm-hmm. yeah you're telling me the baseball players didn't know something about it that I, and by the way when sh- when stuff like this goes down people talk about it mm-hmm. you know you're you're going the next morning you know if, if you live in the dorm man you're talking to your buddy who doesn't live in the dorm the next morning Man, guess what the hell was going on down the hall? I was like, dude, they had strippers, they had music, they had damn booze. Chicks were down there giving blowjobs. Oh man, it was it was a crazy party. Damn basketball teams getting after it. Yeah. Now the good thing is, you know, <laughs> this this girl named Mandy, who or is going by Mandy, uh, claims she did not have sex with any of the players, which would and then I, be. I believe there were. I believe the uh, the the escort on TV said um, that she had employed, I believe, about twenty five girls over mm-hmm. the four years, and five or six of them did not have uh-huh. sex with players. Yeah. It's still a nice high percentage that did, um, but you know, this is just gross. Why? To me, it, I'm not going to tell a woman that if she if she really if she wants to be in porn if she wants to do stripping if that's what you want to do, 
I'm not going to judge you. If it's a way to make ends meet, that sucks that you have to go into a, a fairly degrading profession and do it, but I, I'm not going to necessarily judge you for it, depending on what your life circumstances are. Mm. What What's scummy to me is that then someone had to hire this girl, and if she was 17, you were putting a 17-year-old girl who's under the age of consent, whether she had sex or not, stripping for these athletes, you don't know what these athletes are going to do. You don't know what could happen there. I mean, you are basically putting a 17-year-old girl in danger, and if a player potentially did have sex with her and didn't know she was underage, well, then he's fucked up. Now, he shouldn't be doing that to begin with, but, I mean, you're fucking up a lot of people's lives if you're doing that. So whoever that is that uh, hired her, if there was multiple ones there potentially that were underage, fuck you. Just fuck well, you. And I'm sure, well, now, and here's the thing. I'm sure the girl who wrote this book is on outside the lines. I mean, she was like the madam. So she was the one who was getting the girls. Well, fuck you her. Know, uh, Andre McGee was the guy who, you know, he was paying her. To bring the girls. And if he knew, fuck him too. Yeah, well, I, I truly... Now, now real quick, I, I, I would I would side somewhat on the Andre McGee side here. I'm doubting that he asked for birth certificates or, uh, or driver's licenses of said call girls. I believe that in the call girl culture, um, it, is, it is basically assumed that you are of the age of 18. <laughs> Unless, as in, you know, Jared Fogel's case, you, you directly request something younger than that. Yeah. Fuck him, too. A lot of people are apparently in prison. So. Oh, oh. oh, Jared. Jared's getting his footlong stuffed. Oh, God. So hey, Jared, you want my footlong meatball? <laughs> also, to be fair, I guess I, I, I went kind of off the deep end there. The age of consent in Kentucky is 16 because, of, of course. course, it is. I th- well, actually, I can't say much. I think it's. I think that's also the age you can sit in North Carolina. So. Because of course it is. Because of course, but I mean, it's Kentucky. You can get married when you're like eleven there. So yeah, um, I, I just I I don't expect a a quick resolution to this. I expect Patino to be in charge through at least the end of the year. Go ahead. Oh, I was about to say the Metropolitans are going to the World Series. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, three Mets win. Good for them. Um, do, uh, but what do you think? Do you do you think that we will have a swift conclusion to this, or will we still potentially be talking to it about this at this time next year? I don't think we will. Um, as far as Patino goes, um, the way the court of public opinion works now. Oh, well, that's true. Oh man, I mean, I mean, look at Sarkeesian. You know, yep. I mean, you know, here's a guy who had like a legitimate problem and i mean they they let him go mm-hmm. well once once it became Ooh. public public opinion what the hell are you doing keeping him they let him go immediately right um i wouldn't be shocked if patino doesn't make it through the week yeah i, I mean, unless and sometimes i'm i'm not saying i'm a fan of that because i i, I do believe in due process right uh, you know, I think everybody should at least be able to have their say in it. Mm-hmm. But this day and age, so many people are like so quick to, oh, someone said you did that. You're guilty. You're guilty. Yeah. You should fry. You're an asshole. You, you're you guilty. You know, and uh, I, I just think if 
if anyone can connect Patino to knowing, yeah, I think he's gone like within the hour. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. because then, yeah, especially then because then he's lied about it. Yes. So not only has it happened, but then you've lied about it. You've lied publicly. You've guaranteed people you didn't know anything about it. So if someone finds something that says you did it, then, yeah, I mean, you're gone. You're gone quick as crap. Kentucky fans are going to be laughing all the way to the bank. And, and they should be because this is just awful. That, this, that, is that, like early, this is like early Christmas for those barefoot hillbilly Wildcat fans. To our fans in Kentucky. Sorry. 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 Eh? Um, Wes, let's talk about happier things now. Let's let's hit the watch for what are you watching in the week that was and the week that will be? I was thinking maybe somebody in the NFL got, oh, wait a minute. Ed, real quick, our yeah. dumb NFL story of the week. Sure. Hi, Johnny Football. Oh, God. That's the thing. That's the thing. That was that was such a, a minor thing. Like I even texted you about it, but it was such a minor thing that didn't even make like my top three choices. But yeah, yeah. We'll just, just start real quick. We'll do 90 seconds on this. Okay, go ahead. I mean, Johnny. Just true trash. Johnny, Johnny, you want to talk about trash? That's trash. Oh, man. I mean, you want to talk about somebody who's so far under the microscope that you should not do shit? Yeah. I mean, that's Johnny Manziel. Every, everybody is just looking for Johnny Manziel. I mean, Johnny Manziel is basically the Kardashians of the NFL. Yeah. It's like everybody's just looking for a reason to slam you. And I mean that like figuratively and not uh, not literally, even though most uh, athletes have slammed a Kardashian. Papa! Shablams. Yeah. Lamar Odom. Um, but, you know, dude, just, oh, man. I think Johnny Manziel definitely has some kind of an alcohol or substance abuse problem. Yeah. Um, that that guy does need some help. He, he needs to go to rehab. Yes, and I think he actually is in rehab. Or, or was going to rehab, so we'll. I don't. I don't think they ever said what he's going to rehab for. I think that's was he the going issue. to rehab and then got out to go to Vegas or something? So. <sighs> Who knows? Eh, just, just absolute trash. Um, back to the watch for. Watch for. Um. Okay, Ed. My watch for this week. We mentioned it earlier, and I've. I've. I was watching it. The boy and I were watching it the night before we came on. It is Back to the Future Day, Ed. October 21st, 2015, the day that in that seminal classic, Back to the Future Part 2, Doc Brown and Marty McFly travel to the future to change history and to save Marty's family. Uh, so in honor of that, the boy and I watched uh, Back to the Future 1 and got through about half of Part 2 before he had to go to bed tonight. Um the special effects don't quite hold up all these years I later. I wouldn't think they would. Wouldn't think they would. You know, it, it, it is it is a thirty year old movie at this point. It's true. Um, but, but man, still, still just a fun movie. And hey, it is. It's actually pretty cool to, uh, you know, watch part two where they go into the future and then try to compare it with what we really have. Obviously, we don't have flying cars. We don't have self tying sneakers, unfortunately. And we don't have jackets that'll dry themselves out. We do Those have video chats. Exactly. We've got video chat. Uh, I mean, hey, we're Skyping right now doing this podcast. We are. Um, we've got, uh, you know, they, they put on the glasses at one point mm -hmm. where they can watch TV, which is kind of like Google glasses. Mm -hmm. um, what else have we got? We've got. Uh, There's a couple uh, more they're, things. They're, they're in development of hoverboards. 
That's true. I mean, and of course, that's the that's the biggest thing everybody took away from part two was the hoverboard. We have uh, uh, was self driving cars in that movie. Um, I can't remember if they were self driving or if they were all just like flying. There may have been some self driving cars in there. You know, some things we don't have. Um, we don't have houses full of fax machines. Fax <laughs> machines are a little uh, um, we don't have the Black and Decker uh, hydrator which would cook a miniature pizza to a full-size piping hot pie in five seconds, mm. which would be quite awesome. But, you know, unfortunately we don't have that. But it, it, it's it's always, it, it's a fun trilogy of movies. And, um, you know, today is a day I thought about about five or six years ago. I was like, man, I'm going to have to remember that day so I can say something about it. And here it is. I get to do a podcast on that day. <sighs> Back to the future. Marty. I'll be looking for you, buddy. We've had a lot of special days. We've gotten to do podcasts. Um, I I watched something else that was sci-fi. Uh, I've been watching it for the last couple weeks now. They've been trickling out episodes about three a week. It's a little series on uh, Vimeo right now. It's called Con Man. Um, it's uh, written and I believe produced by Alan Tudyk, uh, who a lot of you probably know you may not recognize the name but if you saw him you'd be like oh it's that guy um he was of course in firefly and the movie serenity uh he's been in a couple other things but he basically uh did a indiegogo project where he got a crowdfunded series and uh a lot of people he knows are in it uh nathan fillion is in it um all these names are escaping me right now. Nolan North is in it. Everybody who plays video games knows who Nolan North is at this point. And if you don't know who he is, you've probably heard his voice somewhere, sometime in the last, like, five years. Um, a lot of people are in it. Joss Whedon makes an appearance in this. A uh, bunch, of, bunch of different people. And it's a cool, it's a cool concept for the series. Basically, uh, Alan Tudyk, who is in, as I mentioned, Firefly, basically made a show kind of like as a somewhat slightly alternate reality where he was in another sci-fi show that was also canceled after just one season and now just goes around to conventions and has convention life and interacts with sci-fi fans and whatnot. And I knew the premise going in. What I did not expect, did not look out for, was not expecting at all, was how awkward this has turned out to be. Like, there have been some very very, very uncomfortable moments where you're, like, burrowing yourself into the couch as you're watching. Like, wh why are you saying, oh, God, you're, you're still going. Please, please stop. No, this is still going. Okay. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, we're going there. This is, this is a little darker than I thought we'd go. So it, it's, it's a somewhat lighthearted comedy series that also is very cringy and awkward -y. it's kind of like a live action bojack horseman actually that's that's what i would call it it's a live action bojack horseman spoilers he hasn't made out with an underage girl yet but at this point who knows yet yet it's always the key word yet and of course we'd have to find out what state they're in to make sure she's actually underage that's yes as we've learned tonight the age of consent can vary wildly in america Good on you, America. Uh, but if you want to check it out, go on to Vimeo. The, it's uh, Vimeo.com. Uh, I think it's like 15 bucks for the season. There's still, I think, three more episodes to come as the gang decides they're going to make a Spectrum movie. Spectrum being the show in the show. 
Um, so it's just, it's been a lot of fun, though, as cringeworthy as it's been sometimes. And I mean that in a good way. It's been very good, awkward cringeworthiness. Like, like there was the doll convention where mothers had baby dolls that they treated mm. as if they were the real thing. Like, shockingly like they were the real thing. So, good times. Trisha Helfer was in that one. Um, so Wes, that is going to take uh, well, us well, to... Hold on, babe. Oh. I, I want to ask you something. Do you watch much Vimeo? Uh, not a whole lot. No, this is actually about the only thing I watch on it. Okay. Well, Ed, um, there is a, uh, there are, uh, two, about 30 minute movies on Vimeo called, uh, the Hoots movie, volume one and volume two, volume two starring good friend of the pod, Mr. Sex Ferguson. Oh, can be found at Vimeo.com. The Hoots movie. Volume one and volume two. Man, I'll be sure to check that out. They're almost as good as they sound. That's um sounds like a hoot. <sighs> it's the hoot. Now where were we going yet? Ah, <sighs> it's, it's it's so I'm raw. Master, I'm the master of getting you off course tonight. It's so, so raw, so so oh, raw. And as we've discussed over yes. the last few weeks, raw ratings have been taking a hit. Yeah, I noticed. And I noticed they've hit the panic button, apparently. Oh, did they ever. And oh, was it wonderful after they hit the panic button. Uh, this being the go-home show for the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view coming up Sunday night, uh, the, which, of course, you can get on the WWE Network Live for the low, low price of nine ninety nine. Uh, definitely check it out. I think it's, we're going to have a fun pay-per-view, but Ed, this week, they bring out the big guns to start off Monday Night Raw. <coughs> the first thing we hear is the glass shatter. And everyone knows, Ed, if you're a WWE fan, when you hear the glass, it's your ass. Here comes the great one, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh, damn. <sighs> It was wonderful seeing the great Stone Cold back in the ring. Um, I got to yell "Hell yeah!" a few times in my head. Oh, hell yeah! As you, as you well know, my hell yeah is it. Oh, I do. Um, and my what? Yes. Anyway, um, they, they got the what chant going in there too. Uh, Stone Cold comes out, introduces, uh, you know, cuts a decent little promo. Uh, brings out the Undertaker, brings out Brock Lesnar, who of course are going to be in the main event this uh, this Sunday night Hell in a Cell. It will be the third of their uh, series of three matches. Uh, this is the rubber match, tied at one one. Um, Undertaker kind of winding down the career, so uh, it, it, good to watch every match he has from here on out because there are only a few left before he probably calls it a day. Um, so we get Stone Cold open everything. After that, Ed, your guys, yep. the New Day. By the way, did you get the picture of the New Day T-shirt? Um, let me let me look real quick. I, I'm not sure if I did. Let me let me check. Got to check that one out. I sent it to you yesterday. <coughs> it, it is their new T-shirt they have out. Anyway, um, the New Day comes out. They fight a six-man tag match against uh, John Cena. Uh, who else is that? I believe it was Dolph Ziggler and... 
Oh, uh, I can't. No, no, no. Well, no, it wasn't the Dudleys. God, I cannot remember who else it was. But anyway, uh, fun match, fun match. Um, maybe it was maybe it was John Cena and the Dudleys. I can't remember. But uh, fun little match. Everything happens. Da 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 da. Um, we get through. We go into hour two. Hour two and is kicked off by my absolute personal favorite wrestler who has ever lived. That's not named Sex Ferguson. <laughs> the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels, uh, considered by me the greatest in-ring technician of all time. Shawn Michaels comes out, kicks off hour two, and uh, Shawn's dropping a nice little promo. He's building up Hell in a Cell. When all of a sudden, Ed, Seth Rollins' music hits. Seth Rollins comes out of the ring to confront HBK, and says to him, you know, you need to be talking about me, the world champion. And Ed, uh, as they started going back and forth a bit, they they got nose to nose with each other. And Ed, my wrestling erection, was standing at full mast. Fantastic. As that is my all-time dream match. As an in-his-prime Shawn Michaels versus uh, the champion of the moment, uh, Seth Rollins. It would literally be one of the greatest matches that could have ever happened. Unfortunately, Shawn Michaels is 50 years old. That match is not <laughs> going to happen. <laughs> and it would it would only be a disappointment to what we think it could have been. Uh, but a really, really fun back and forth between them where at the end, Michaels gets the upper hand on Seth Rollins. And, um, and you know, that's how, that's how that goes. Um, but, but, but starting off hour three, woo! The Nature Boy, Ric Flair, comes out. Ric Flair cuts one of his promos. Um, I'm really trying to remember everything that happened at this point. Um, it was kind of running in together. Um, but at this point, this is, this is, okay, here's where it starts to get interesting, Ed. Our main event for the night is the Wyatt family, all mm-hmm. three of them, taking on Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose. Mm-hmm. Well, Randy Orton has been their partner lately. Randy Orton was apparently jumped by the Wyatts over the weekend, and uh-huh. he's now on the shelf for a while. What that means is actually in real life he separated his shoulder. So storyline, the Wyatts took him out. So, um, you know, we, we get a scene backstage of Triple H and Stephanie, and they're kind of talking to each other and saying, you know, it's not really fair to put Ambrose and Reigns out there without a third man, you know, facing the Wyatts, because the Wyatts are such big badasses. Of course. Uh, Seth Rollins is kind of standing there. He's like, yeah, that sucks for them, doesn't it? When, once again, Shawn Michaels comes in. Shawn Michaels, real life and on screen, best friends with Triple H. Um, Shawn Michaels looks at Rollins and says, well, I mean, if you're so bad, why don't you go be their teammate? Um, In which case, Rollins at first is like, are you crazy? I can't stand those guys. And he says, well, I mean, you know, you're so big and bad. Why don't you go do it? At which point Seth Rollins says, fine, I'll team with Ambrose and Reigns. Uh, and I'll show everyone who's the best wrestler in the world. He walks off. And at this time, that full-on wrestling boner that I had earlier, we are reaching Viagra past four hours call the doctor mode. Because, mm. oh, my God, is this the reunion of the Shield? What happens? Um, the Wyatts come out first, all three of them, 
And then uh, each member of the other team, they're introduced pl- uh, person by person. Um, basically, Rollins looks at him and says, this is not a reunion. I'm just here to prove that I'm the best in the world. But and then just like, a year, just like 18 months ago, when we had the Wyatts and the Shield and what was what, what should have been one of the greatest rivalries of all time, uh, but it was basically downgraded to just a couple of really, really awesome matches. Um, those matches always would get hyped by the two teams standing in front of each other and getting right in each other's faces for the stare down. Um, the Wyatt step up, Reigns and Ambrose step up, Rollins kind of hangs back. Someone says something to him. Rollins goes and gets right in, um, in, uh, Eric Rowan's face and right there in, we have the Shield and the Wyatts. Once again, the gloriousness is just beaming through my house. It, it's so wonderful. I can't, I can't, I couldn't even, I can't adequately explain to you how magical a moment it was to be a Shield supporter. Um, well, as the match went on, of course, Rollins is the ultimate bad guy right now. So he ends up abandoning Reigns and Ambrose. Reigns and Ambrose end up uh, losing the match. Uh, they do deal out a hellacious beating. They then take a hellacious beating. Um, and, you know, uh, uh, Rollins goes off as the chicken shit heel champion that he is. He'll be facing Kane this Sunday. Uh, but it was it was really, that, I mean, that's what they did. You had three legends leading off each hour, and then you blew up Twitter with, uh, quote, shield reunion. Mm-hmm. So um, that that was the big push for ratings this week. I haven't seen the ratings come out. I've got to imagine that they went up with this group. I mean, this was a heavy hitters. This was a heavy hitting group to do that with. Like I said, three of the biggest legends. Flair is Flair at this point. You know, we see Flair quite frequently. But Austin starting the show, Michael's in the middle of the show, and then the Shield at the end of the show. That's big. Sets up for this week's... um, Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. Uh, your two main events, uh, Rollins versus Kane for the WWE title. Um, of course, Lesnar versus Undertaker in Hell in a Cell. Um, uh, bah, bah, bah. Uh, Reigns and uh, Bray Wyatt are going to be in a Hell in a Cell match. So we're going to get two matches in the cell. Uh, I really, really think that Reigns-Wyatt match is going to be fantastic. Um, the other big one, Ryback going to take on my boy, Kevin Owens for the intercontinental title. And then Ed, now the, the other big thing, the other big WWE news floating around is that after hell in a cell, John Cena is going to be gone for at least a few months. Um, oh, no. it has been, well, let's see how they write it in. It has been confirmed. He's going to be, um, off taping a television show. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, he, he will be gone for a few months at least, which means holding the United States title, you would have to assume this Sunday at Hell in a Cell, he's going to lose that United States title. Um, he does have the, it, it will be a U.S. Open title challenge match this Sunday. Um, I think right now the odds-on favorite to take that title match is Dean Ambrose, who suddenly, he was supposed to have a tag team match, he and Randy Orton versus two members of the Wyatt family. But unfortunately, as we talked about, Randy Orton is out indefinitely. So that kind of leaves Ambrose open to take this challenge. It could be Ambrose, could be about two or three other guys. But uh, that's going to be really interesting to see how they how they do that. 
And lastly, you would kind of figure John Cena would be losing the title on Sunday night. Um, there's some other matches in there. Uh, New Day is fighting the Dudleys. That'll be good. Um, women's title match, Nikki Bella versus Charlotte. Uh, Nikki has big boobs. That'll be good. Um, and then, you know, we'll, we'll, they'll throw some more good matches in there. So good pay-per-view. I believe it's going to be a good pay-per-view coming up this weekend. Of course, we do Wesleyan football, which means we don't have to pre-tape a show around my pay-per-view schedule. Exactly. Um, the one thing, like I mentioned, that, that would just it would worry me a little bit Absolutely. is, is and I'm going to liken this to, the, uh, to the, uh, the series we like to affectionately refer to as Ass Creed. And that's the uh, the Assassin's Creed series um, that is that has come a long way, and now I think we're at game twelve or thirteen in seven years, um, which should tell you all you need to know about this damn franchise. Um, the the as as the two best friends would say, they have their they have Ubisoft, the the publishers, the developers of the game, they have their their break in case of emergency button, and uh-huh. that's to set the series in Japan. Because that, because that's what everybody wants. They want to be stealthy ninja guy in Japan, fucking running around and going nuts and killing people execution style. The problem is they haven't been doing that. They're like, oh, you want that? Well, here's Revolutionary War America. Oh, you want that? Here's Sailing in the Caribbean, which was actually kind of cool. Oh, you want that? Oh, here's Revolutionary England? Oh, Maybe? Yeah. And the problem is, the problem is, by the time, as, as the two best friends would say, by the time... They bash that button and bat in and hit it, the panic button. Okay, we're we're doing the game in Japan next time. Yes, it's really gonna happen. Nobody's gonna care anymore. And I worry if 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 WWE almost kind of did the opposite, that they broke the glass maybe just a little bit too early on that shield. Like just just hit that panic button just a little bit too early. Well, now here is here's the good thing. Um yeah. <laughs> Basically, Rollins did an interview before he went out of the ring where he he said straight out, flat out, this is not a reunion. You know, I can't stand those guys. I'll take them out again. I don't care. And, and that that actually was a pretty big part in it because mm-hmm. if you were watching the show, you know, the, the only thing that got you at all about being, quote, a S.H.I.E.L.D. reunion was that they were in the ring together. There was no real sense of camaraderie between them and Rollins. They didn't work well together. You know, it, it, I almost say it was almost like just a little tease, like just to be like, hey, guys, we can do this one day. Don't worry. You know, it, it can be done again. And, and, and we know that y'all want it. Um, so I, I don't think that they – I don't think they broke the glass early on that. Um you know, here in the last oh six months, because because of course you remember the um, the the moment during the Fatal Four Way back during the summer where they they oh, yeah. did the um, trademark Shield power bomb, the triple power bomb on Randy Orton, and uh-huh. then they immediately turned and started beating the shit out of Rollins after that. <laughs> yes. um, it's almost like WWE about every six months, maybe they're just going to give us just a little nugget. Just to say, hey, guys, we haven't forgotten they were the shield. We haven't forgotten. But now's not the time. And that's the thing, Ed. Right now, with with those three guys, every one of them, obviously, Rollins is at the top of the pack right now. I mean, he he's the he's the number one guy. He's the uh he's the world champion. 
Reigns is really starting to come into his own as a singles competitor. And Ambrose might be the most over guy on the roster as a singles competitor. So the reason they broke up the shield was so they could push three new singles wrestlers. And that has worked. That's the thing right now. Yes. Everyone wants to see the shield back together, but right now, none of these guys need the shield to succeed right now. So, I mean, I really think, I think you carry this on for at least another two years before you even start to really tease a true reunion of the shield. I mean, I mean, you know, that's the great thing in wrestling, man. You can always change the story. The story always keeps going on. You know, don't, don't waste, don't waste what is going to be an insane moment. Don't just waste it because you get desperate. This is one thing they need to hold until the time is perfect. And when they just really want to get the pop of all pops. Well, we will see if when when they end up hitting that Japanese panic button. And I, um, but I, that's, can, I can see the hair stand up on the back of your neck right now. I know you're excited about this. That's really creepy that you can see that. Um, and, and on that creepy note, we're going to end uh, episode 77 of the Foreign Affair podcast. Uh, once again, we'd love to thank NGSC Sports and NGSCSports.com for presenting this to you tonight. Um, of course, you can hit us up on social media to tell us what you think of the show. You can hit us as a collective at AFAPod, Wes, you are. At Wes Bradshaw 21. I am at Edward Green. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Periscope. Email us, excuse me, onlysports at gmail.com. Finally, you can mail us your letters and parcels and any Tottenham memorabilia you might have to 1701 Sunset Avenue, Suite 201, Rocky Mountain, North Carolina. Yes, I did. 27804. There's pictures. Um, So go check that out. And uh, we once again want to thank also uh, podbean.com, the iTunes Music Store, uh, Stitcher Radio, Spreaker, uh, iHeart Radio, the TuneIn Radio app. Uh, that might be it. Podbean.com. All of you guys do a great job distributing this podcast to our literal dozens of listeners every week. Um, so on that, Wes, anything else to add before we get out of here? Uh, get ready for another week of uh, SEC Hunger Games. Yay. Everyone goes there to die in the SEC. Uh, <laughs> this week you've got uh, Texas A&M and Ole Miss. Um, uh-huh. Crap, I can't remember. There's about two or three really good ones this weekend. Though. So, uh, yay, get ready for that. Everybody dies in the SEC. <sighs> Everyone dies. Um, but we will stay alive for another week of podcasting next week. Until then, enjoy the Barclays Premier League. Enjoy the League Cup, which I'm sure we can't wait to talk about next week. And enjoy another, as Wes mentioned, SEC's Hunger Games. So for my colleague, Wes Bradshaw, I am Edward Green. Thanks so much for joining us here this week. Check us out again next week on a Foreign Affair podcast. Thanks so much for listening, guys, and have a great week. Good night, Panama. Like the, the country or just like the canal? One in the same. The canal is in the country. I did a, I did a uh, project on that. I did a, uh, I did a, I did a paper on him. I mean,
listening to NGSE Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSEsports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. 